Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Teo Podcast, the Pandemic Press. Uh, I am your host, Rashni Hevawasam, and today we have a guest named Liam Lay. And he's a cryptocurrency enthusiast and a software engineer for 18 years right now. And he's going to give his views on cryptocurrency. So I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Liam. Hi, Roshni. How are you? Uh, good, good. So do you want me to just introduce the, my podcast? Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm from uh, Talks with Lim Lee. It's a podcast about people's careers, their journeys, their paths, uh, sometimes their passions or their hobbies. And then um, I'm, I'm a software engineer, been doing it for almost uh, two decades. And I think today we're going to talk about cryptocurrency. So I think I bring a little bit of a I think a unique aspect in uh, cryptocurrency, because most people that look at cryptocurrency, they just look at the price. I look at it from a technical side because I know how to read a little bit of code. Um, to be honest, I don't know how to, or a lot of the languages that cryptocurrency is written, written in, um, I may not be proficient in that, but I'm able to read, read the white papers and understand it a little bit more. So I believe that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. Uh, so you can start with a simple definition uh, definition of cryptocurrency. Ah, okay. Uh, so cryptocurrency, the main thing is the blockchain. Um, the main important factor on that is a decentralized consensus. And that's a hugely powerful uh, uh, thing. It's almost, I think it's uh, probably the, one of the best sentences I've heard was the internet with the internet, the culmination of everything is blockchain, meaning the power and the paradigm shifts and the, the, the benefits that we get from the internet, this is it. So everything that we've seen, whether it be Google, Facebook, all those other technologies, this is the, the peak of it. Um, what that means is before, so back when the internet started, people thought there was going to be freedom of information, the sharing of data, the freedom of sharing technology. And there's a lot of things that happen. Uh, of, like we're doing the Zoom call, this is through the internet. But there's a lot of things under the scenes that actually a lot of people don't fully understand, like the privacy data where Google's collecting what you search. And they, with, I, I hear with, uh, there's stuff like uh, scientists cookies, have said. Yeah, cookies and super cookies. Yeah, yeah. And then like ISPs could uh, firewall certain data or websites, domains, and it's really controlled where decentralized, the true nature of decentralization is there is no control. So there, there's going to be a paradigm on that. And I see some huge things coming in the, from that, but it's, it's almost sci-fi in my thoughts right now as sci science fiction in the sense that I think a lot of people don't understand it because they don't understand what decentralization, decentralization is. Um, decentralization, it's, there is no center there's no centralized point of failure and no centralized point of control. And that's really key, the control part. So if I have 
let's just break down maybe what we know, what most people know. Let's let's go with centralized. So banks, car insurance. Um, I'll throw one that I like to like to use often is car insurances. So I pay a car insurance, uh, all state. I pay all state a monthly amount of money. And then when a car accident happens, which happened to me, uh, I think six years ago, um, a, some car ran their yellow light and they hit me head on and I was going through a green light They're on the other way. They, they hit me. Um, afterwards there's a, <clears throat> there's a, adjust, I think it's the adjuster, adjuster that comes and checks out the value of the car, the value of your, your injuries and whatnot. And they start judging my car and they're saying, Oh, your car was, was too old or something. They, and it was, uh, it was, uh, what they, I think they try to say the amount that I've, uh, taken care of the car from how old it was. I didn't take good, well care of it, but I had pictures before. Luckily I had very, I took very well care of it. It looked like a uh, it, it was rarely used the car. So I had to do a counter or counter offer and tell them, no, here's pictures of before the car accident. You're ju- they're trying to judge it, what they think the car after the car accident. And like, of course it's going to be all messed up. And, but so oh, this is a long story. I'll try to make it quicker. Mm-hmm. So the, ju- the adjusters on the insurance company side, there's no, there's nothing I could do to, to um, get the adjuster fairly unbiasedly in the middle, or at least, of course, everyone would love the adjuster to be on your side, but it has to, at a bare minimum, it should be in the middle. The adjuster should have no side. The adjuster should 50% of the time probably side with the insurance company and 50% of the time side with my side, but not 100% of the time it's going to give a lower value. It's part of the business for the adjuster that works for the insurance company to always side with the insurance company. So they said the value of your car is X amount of dollars. Like, no, no, it should be this much higher. Um, so that's just one example. Decentralized, the way I see a sci-fi world with, uh, with blo- cryptocurrency and blockchain insurance, car insurance, you could have like a decentralized system where the insurance company is decentralized. The adjuster is a third-party decentralized adjuster too. So what would happen, there would be probably an online rating system where the insurance company, like say that same, say that same situation happens. Uh, that car, I get in a car accident, that car insurance finds, uh, both of us would find an adjuster. We would actually agree on maybe three third party independent adjusters. And we could, both of us, the insurance company and I, hopefully would, there would be a rating. There'd be like 200 people went with this adjuster, 500 people on this one. And that person with 500 adjusters, you could, you could see hopefully their rating scale, like 250 times he sided with the insurance company, he or she, and then 250 times they decided with the, um, with the insurance. So I would pick someone in the middle and for us, normal people, we'd probably want to pick the one that, uh, the adjuster that might cite slightly 51% with the, with the insurance. But that, I mean, that, that's the beauty of this. I think this possible system where the insurance company would say, no, you picked five of these adjusters that cite always with the insurance. Let's pick this other one that's that's more 50-50. So th- it's a paradigm shift. I, I think people, uh, when I try to explain it, some people understand it, some people still, I mean, I, I understand it's a, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a, it's a paradigm shift. It's yeah. something that doesn't exist now. So that's one angle that we could go with uh, how blockchain could change the world. There's a lot of steps there. I mean, you're talking about the insurance company would have to become decentralized. The, the, there'd be a whole new class of, third-party independent 
um, from adjusters. And that could be, I mean, we could, we could span that out to, um, it could be governments, it could be banks, it could be, I don't know, maybe pizza delivery, who, who knows how that works. So that'd be interesting pizza delivery, yeah. like you would pay a pizza delivery driver, but they wouldn't be working for uh, pizza hut Domino's or any of the major corporations. Um, then with uh, like Uber, uh, with Lyft, all those car, um, I mean, they're getting pretty close already. Uber itself is, has a centralized company, but their drivers seem are like independent. Yeah. But you could ultimately set up a, a pretty, uh, it'd be a pretty complex company that would be Uber on the blockchain where nobody owns this Uber. But then uh, if someone wrote the smart contract where that smart contract is a company, it, this, this gets pretty crazy, but um, that smart con- contract could have a wallet and handle its funds so that when a driver um, picks someone up, someone up and drops someone off and that someone pays through their smart, their smartphone to the smart contract, then the smart contract will maybe only take like uh, less than 1% of the contract, maybe less than that. I, I, whoever writes a smart contract might be able to do it where there is no fee where right now I think Uber probably, I'm guessing they probably take 20, 20, 30% of the fees. I'm guessing. So if you, if I pay 17, uh, $18 for, to a driver, I'm assuming Uber takes $2 or $6 out of it. I don't know. I actually don't know their, yeah. their setup, but if you do a, yeah. Yeah. If you do a smart contract, it could be zero. It, I don't think, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if someone would ever build a smart contract to do at 0%, but I think actually, I, I actually think that is the way things would eventually go. But it's not, yeah, even I, even I think that they, that could logically happen. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, I think these things are the way of the future and it just takes a lot of humans to kind of work through it. Um, for example, one, one thing I, I I'll, I'll give some examples how I think these are the stepping stones before this crazy idea of a decentralized Uber, decentralized insurance, decentralized banks. I think the baby steps that I do see is uh, GitHub. GitHub is a repository of code that's open source. And I actually don't know how GitHub really makes their money. Uh, I, I actually don't know if they, if they make money through ads on their website, but it's free. Um, oh, they have, they have business tiers. That's what it is. They probably make money off that. But if I make um, if I make a, a chatting a chat program, like I program something like a phone app, an Android app, I could put it on GitHub and just release it uh, freely to the world. Um, and that that currently happens now. If you if people are programmers and they want to go find um, some code or they want to find a pre-built software, oftentimes these softwares are built for free. So you're going to get what you pay for. You don't know if it's a complete project or if it really works that well. It might, it might not scale well if you're trying to use it. Say you're trying to, trying to find a chat program. It may not scale to a million users, but there's a free one probably on GitHub that works uh, maybe for one or five users or two or five users. Uh, so GitHub, I think that to me, when I think about GitHub, that's the stepping stone. I think that leads to blockchain. Well, it literally is a stepping stone for blockchain because actually one of the key, one of the key components of a true, in my opinion, a good, a good true cryptocurrency is one that is open source. That's a key thing. There are there are cryptocurrencies. Uh, XRP. I think XRP. I, the last I forget. I think they're top five coin. Uh, Ripple. Ripple's XRP. They're a top five coin on, by market cap, and yet they're not 
on GitHub, as far as I know, they're not open source code. So I don't consider Ripple a true cryptocurrency. It is a crypto, it depends how you define cryptocurrency. Crypto, the word crypto is cryptography, currency is meaning or money of some sort. So sure, it uses cryptology in its, I'm pretty sure in its code, but it's not what I would consider a blockchain cryptocurrency. And that's where the power of everything is. Uh, sorry, I'm jumping all around. So back to GitHub. So that's one example of, of a baby step. Um, ah, dang it. I had one. Uh, I have a couple other ones, but I, I'm forgetting them. Um, GitHub. You can take a, a time. That's <laughs> that's fine. Um, oh, Arm and Bit, Bitwarden. Arm, um, sorry, not Arm. Uh, Risk 5, which creates an Arm CPU from my under... I, I don't know fully enough about it, but I know they are an open source uh, processor company now. So the issue that we, um, I'll just go into news a little bit about it. The reason why open source CPUs are so important is, um, Intel, Intel and, and, and AMD are the biggest chip makers, biggest CPU chip makers. Um, their code for their CPUs are, are, are a black box. They own the code and they will never release it. About, I think two years ago, there is the Spectra and Meltdown um, vulnerabilities, which affected every CPU for 20, about 20 years prior, maybe more than 20 years. So that means every CPU, almost every computer, I mean, some even cash registers, elevators that have CPUs, any system that use Intel or AMD CPUs was infected by this Spectra and Meltdown. So... You're talking about 20 years, there was a vulnerability that nobody wanted to do. Uh, well, not, nobody found it. And then Intel and AMD, prob they probably knew about it. There was, as far as I, as far as I don't quote me on this. And uh, I think people have discovered that they think that that vulnerability was from CIA. CIA went to AMD and it, it, from CIA went to AMD and Intel and said, Hey, uh, I think it was something, I forget the instruction, instruction number 57, leave this code in there. And that's for us. And CIA said, you cannot change that. And you cannot tell anybody about it. And there's reports thereafter there, there are some CPU um, enthusiasts that went down in the code. So what happens is Intel will release this new, uh, these CPUs to companies, companies write code ac accordingly to these instruction sets. And there's some developer that said, hey, what's this uh, instruction set 57? When I, when I run code through, it's not giving me back what I'm expecting. And then there's been supposedly, I don't, this could be conspiracy theories, but I thought I read articles where um, CIA said to them, like, hey, you, that's, that's our stuff. Don't worry about it. You cannot talk publicly about this. If you do, you're um, breaching national security. So, so that's, I mean, I, CIA, we'd like to think is doing more good than bad, yeah. but this risk five uh, company that's doing these ARM processors have open source code. So you wouldn't, you shouldn't ever run into that. Their code is, I believe on GitHub, I actually haven't checked that, but um, that's one of the few places where you put open source code. So that's how important open source is. Um, you, you would, you could prevent these type of vulnerabilities and, and problems.
Um, the other one I mentioned is like Bitwarden. Bitwarden is a open source um, password manager. So like say, I think OnePass, Dashlane, those are some big name password managers. But when you use it, you don't know what they're doing with their code. They, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> they could store your password and they may not use the highest level of security. And you just pay them monthly to use their, their code and you kind of don't know. Now, 99.999% of the time, this is fine. But just like this Intel and AM, AMD thing, you don't know if OnePass or, or Dashlane did something in their code that has a leak or has a vulnerability to CIA or North Korea, who knows? So Bitwarden is one that's an open source code and you could go, uh, I believe I believe it's on GitHub. I haven't checked that actually too. Um, you could go download the, all the code and look at it and see if there's any vulnerabilities. But the good news about open source, the reason why that's so, so important is because that's worldwide. You got, you got the entire globe, whoever's a programmer could go download that code, look at it, and then you find an exploit or a problem and you just report it to Bitwar and say, hey, you got this big hole in there, like go fix it. And or the, the beauty of that, the beauty of open source in that nature is what's the benefit to that coder. If the coder discovers a vulnerability and then reports it to the world, I'm pretty sure some company is going to say, hey, we want that coder to work for our company or, or Bitwarden itself. So Bitwarden might say, hey, you're really good. Come work for us. So there, it's a great symbiotic ecosystem. Um, I think it's better than symbiotic because usually symbiotic I think of as just one host, one pair, uh, one one bacteria, parasite, or something. Um, but symbiotic is or or the ecosystem is the coder wins in this case, the company Bitwarden would win, and then the users would win. So it's it's such a beautiful thing this this decentralized open source system. I, I think not too many people think about blockchain or cryptocurrency in that way. Yeah. So do you? I have uh, I have gone to a conference and uh, I've kind of learned a bit about it uh, considering the considering the Ethereum blockchain. So we have gone and uh, we have like tried to record blockchains and stuff like this in the website itself. So I kind of have like an experience of it. Like, but um, yeah, I was going to ask you, especially times like this in a recession, we normally uh, invest in gold, right? But this year in particular, people have found it better to invest on cryptocurrency. Why is that? Hmm. I go, huh. I wonder if we have, have to kind of define what, uh, what we understand of gold in the sense of, so people think of gold as in case the, uh, if you're in, in the US and you're investing in stocks, you buy gold in as a hedge in case the US government, US economy, if there's a massive recession, a depression or something. So you, most people will buy gold on that. As we get more into this digital age and the modernism, uh, uh, modern technology, I guess to call it, the idea of gold and the use of gold isn't as important. Sure, it actually gold has um, interesting. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? From a from a chemical metal metal 
there, like there's a lot of gold used in electronics, like uh, the CPUs, motherboards and stuff like that. But as for like tender trading, buying gold is, is just uh, a common thing people say with cryptocurrency is gold. You're not going to walk up with, uh, with a half ounce of gold to buy something or a small piece of gold. It's just, it's too cumbersome. The same thing with actually the funny thing with money is that a lot of people, when you, we talk about money, we think about the physical cash. But I, if I remember correctly, I think uh, the statistic is only 3% of, of the U.S. dollar is in physical cash. So 90, 97% is digital. It's all just a digital footprint somewhere. Someone in a computer types, hey, we uh, make a loan for a house. And now that amount of that, that new home is that house value is in the market now. And it, it sort of just digitally printed $400,000 of that house. I, I'm a bit jumping the, the concepts a bit much, but that's similar to, to what it is. So I think gold just it, for a use of, of money, it's not as practical. Um, and then actually, I think, I think currency and money is, a, I think the definitions are even funny on that. Sorry, I'll jump back to gold and I'll connect this. So currency, the definition of currency is, a, is like a legal tender. But money, from my understanding, the definition is a non-inflating, non-printable, fungible currency. So money, it, if someone were to redefine the word cryptocurrency, I wish they would have done actually crypto money. Yeah. Like Ripple would be cryptocurrency because they, they centralize the code and they could print more. Crypto money you can't really print more Ethereum or Bitcoin. Now there is one, one caveat to that hard forks. You could technically with the consensus of people, it would take everyone or it would take all the developers or sorry, it would take the miners and developers and the community, the ecosystem to vote for Ethereum to have more Ethereum. They would have to vote to change the code and have a hard fork. So I guess in that case, crypto currents or Crypto money wouldn't work in that term because it is changeable, but the likelihood is so. I, no one, I don't think anyone's changed Bitcoin in that way. They haven't changed that since the inception of 2009. That code is still there. So it's been crypto money since then. Um, so, okay, so gold would be a currency and not a money. And I, I personally think crypt, a good cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, is a crypto money, not a cryptocurrency, but whatever. The word cryptocurrency has gone so far, there's no way for me to change the definition on that. So when I say gold, I, I think gold is just not, most people think it's just not usable as, as money or currency really anymore. So I think that's probably why people jump to, no, let me take that back. Why, uh, you asked why people would go with cryptocurrency, not gold. Yes. Some people would pick cryptocurrency because it's easier than gold. Um, some people would choose it because it, it, you can't trade gold. And then the, probably the biggest one is cryptocurrency seems to be the future. So I would say that's probably the biggest factor. But from, from me, from a technological side, it is the future. And I think nothing could stop that. That's, that to me, that's a, that's a beauty of, of a true decentralized blockchain once you turn it on, you can't stop it. You'd have to, you have to destroy every possible computer in the world to, to stop a true cryptocurrency, a true blockchain. 
and uh, I, I, I want to ask you about which countries have implemented this process during the pandemic. As in like El Salvador and uh, are you talking about like um, El Salvador, how they supposedly made Bitcoin as legal tender? Yeah. Um, I've, I was El Salvador. Uh, I think there was one other one. Then it wasn't, I don't think it was Venezuela. Um, I guess my opinion on that, it's, it's on the fence right now. I don't, as in, or is your question is like how they did it or what are my thoughts of them doing it? Or like, do I think it's like going to work out? Countries. Yeah. Which countries, whether it's going to work out in the future. Oh, that's a, that's such a tough question. I, I think no, I kind of feel like nobody could know. Um, I thought when I, when I listen to the president, president of El Salvador, I have hope. But then when I hear news articles and people talking about El Salvador, um, I, I, I don't want to release their name. Uh, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't think I want to release their name. I, I've talked to somebody who is somewhat dealing with the El Salvador situation and they're telling me there's a lot of corruption and I, I don't know if I could, I don't, I see news articles to, to back what they're saying, but then I, I just don't see enough to, to know about what's going on. So I think there's too much possible corruption on these things. Now I hope it happens. That's, I actually wish someone would try to do a, a blockchain well, there's people trying to do a blockchain city, but I would like to see a blockchain government that builds a city. And then if you could have a government that builds itself on the blockchain where it respects the democracy of a blockchain, that would be a beautiful thing. That would be amazing, I think, because you would wipe out all middlemen and everything. Um, but you would need a government that truly respects blockchain. What I mean by that is right now, if we have the U.S. government, you have what is supposedly a democracy, which is a representative republic, from my understanding. But there's too many of the too much of the population that would probably agree with this statement. That's I, if I were to say the government has the, the the history of the United States is we the people, but does the government really seem like it's for the people? Is it for corporate interests? or for the rich people. And I think right now, a lot of people would agree with me that it does seem like it's for big corporations and rich people. So when I say, if we had a government that was, that truly respected blockchain, they'd have to build their whole, you could write the bill of rights, you could write your constitution on the blockchain and respect that, and then have people vote for senators, president through the blockchain and it could auto facilitate all that with smart contracts who who you vote for president and and it now there's the human factor that maybe is hard to change it feels like facebook twitter youtube instagram they all i think they only magnify the human condition of of polar opinions so I, I don't think blockchain fixes human problems. It's a, an amazing tool that provides amazing, an amazing, beautiful technology. But yet, if we have our human problems, it, it may not fix that. If we built some type of government that said, okay, the voting, 
is on the blockchain. Um, I don't know how you fix, like if you did lobbying, there's lobbying in the US. I think that's one of the biggest things that causes corruption. I don't know how you, you would try to make the, Amer- if someone created a blockchain that was the American government blockchain, um, I don't know how you would obliterate lobbying and have that system still be working the way it does. Um, I mean, I, I could guess, I, I would say you cut out lobbying. That's my guess. Yeah. But um, the banks that print money, I, that would be a really tough, that would be an awesome concept. I, on paper, it sounds awesome. I don't know if it would truly work out because humans seem to suck. <laughs> when I say humans seem to suck is you get these masses of people, rich, uh, rich people and banks that could just print money once they have a problem. On the blockchain, you can't really, you can't print more money unless you get 51, more than 51% of the people vote on that change. So, so if you had government that respected the blockchain and wanted to print more money, they couldn't, that'd be a crazy concept. Like, okay, uh, if you're the California governor, uh, you have to use the amount of money that you tax that year. You can't make more. So I think that's an amazing thing. You'd have to actually do the, the moral thing and using what money you have to do what you can. That, I think that would be an amazing concept, but I don't think what, we'll, I don't know if we'll ever get there. <laughs> yeah. So the, so you're saying that the economy will be more stable. I would, I would like to think it would be more stable. Um, I say that the human factor, I think it's humans that screw it up. The blockchain would never, ever falsify anything. So the blockchain is as real as it gets, as truth. And I like to say consensus of truth. I say this quite often, but people think uh, maybe if they don't understand it, they think I'm crazy. And once they do understand it, it's a beautiful thing. Consensus of truth. If 51% of the people say we uh, uh, we voted for the government, 51% of the people say that's the government or the, the president, we vote for the president, yes. that's the president. There's no, there's no changing of that. That is the truth. Yeah. Sure, 49% of the people will say, no, we don't like that guy. But the truth, truth, quote, quote unquote truth, the blockchain says that's the president. So it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. When you get to data and truth and you can va- validate that on technology, that's an amazing thing. So some, somebody could argue with me, okay, well, you're talking about consensus of truth. Um, I had this discussion with uh, Emmett on my podcast. He's all, if there's five beers in the refrigerator, we sit here, me and you, we speak. Someone goes in there and steals one beer, but me and you don't know about it. There's yeah. technically four beer, four beers in there, but there was five. So what is truth? But me and you agreed there was five there. Okay. So how would the blockchain deal with that? That's, I mean, at that point, hopefully you would have a smart refrigerator. If, if you really want to do inventory blockchain, that refrigerator would have some type of blockchain that records how many beers go in and out. And even though me and you knew, we knew that there was five in there, someone went in and stole one, then hopefully the refrigerator would update with four. So true truth is, I mean, a fuzzy thing at times. And that, that is true with all things with truth, meaning the, the civil war in America, how many people were on the North side, how many people were on the South side, uh, was, um, Back in the 90s in America, the Rodney King beating uh, was in the 90s. Um, The white cops that beat a black man, did that really happen? 
it was recorded on a camera. But if it was up to the cops at that time, they were they would have erased that those recordings. So truth hap often is by whoever has the most power. Sometimes a government can change um, the truth. I'm trying to think of a oh a, for example. From my understanding, the history of uh, of Asians, early Asians in America was they were used for slavery to build the r- railroads. Actually, it was Chinese, Filipinos, and Vietnamese. From my understanding, but my understanding also they told I've been I've been told is uh, they only brought males over. They didn't let the males uh, have. They didn't bring females for the for the Vietnamese, Chinese, and Filipinos to have uh, kids. So therefore, their whole their those people died out. There's no history of it. And therefore, now, nowadays, nobody really knows about that history, except for maybe the history that's been passed down by the word of mouth. So, that, so is that history? Is that truth? I, I don't know. So government has a way of doing propaganda and whatnot. Man, I went way off, off on the tangent in your yeah. original question. Um, so are we? <laughs> are, yeah, are it, we? no, it's fine. It's like, it was interesting to know that. <laughs> Uh, and yeah at at that time I think uh, women did not work and uh, uh, probably they weren't treated equally so oh yeah 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 beaten and given barely any food and no rights yeah it was terrible it sounded terrible yeah yeah especially I think it's the same for some six strict cultures like even down even today oh yeah (laughs) I'm sorry. What was your original question? I went on a terrible. I went on a tangent that was way too off. Um, uh, I, I, for, I forget if you asked if it was good for government and or the. I think we already talked about the gold one. So the government. Yeah. Um, so with all that kind of being said, everything from how government could corrupt things or, or truth by consensus, how people can change the history. Yeah. Of current day truths can change the history. Do I think that governments? can adopt blockchain i think oh yes definitely i think it takes it would when i say that i say there are plenty of great people out there people with great morale morality people that have standards people that aren't super greedy that don't don't want to use that don't want to benefit off the backs of others i would love to live in a world where I feel like my US dollar, the dollar that I made, isn't built on the backs of whether it be Chinese, Vietnamese, uh, Africans, I don't, around the world, India, people that produce things in other countries that have a different evaluation on their dollar, on their currency compared to the US yeah. dollar. I feel like that does a disingenuous, there's inequality to that. That means. Yes. Because, yeah, like, for- uh, because like for currencies like uh, Sri Lankan currency, there would be like a huge unfair advantage. Yeah, it'd, it'd be like uh, someone in Sri Lanka. I don't know. What's the, do you, do you know the Sri Lankan dollar versus the US dollar? What's the conversion yeah. rate? It's uh, more than 200. Uh, so 200 to one. And yeah. then so at 200 to one, but does uh, like one USD, buy- well, like one USD is uh, above 200 to uh, Rupees. rupees yeah and then like sri lankan rupees now for the euros it has gone really up to 230 and the banks banks in sri lanka have also increased the rate and they're kind of like uh, restricting the money to go out of the country a particular amount to go out of the country and because they need it for 
they needed to be within the country. Mm. Well, um, what's what's the econ- uh, how much is how much is a coffee in uh, in rupees in Sri Lanka? A coffee. Like a, yeah, just a typical like, coffee. So you get a coffee and it's like twenty bucks. Like yeah. 20, 20 rupees or 20 yeah bucks? it's like uh, like 20 the the this uh, like what what do you mean the coffee like in a packet oh just like just if you went to like a starbucks or a mcdonald's uh, okay or... like starbucks so we don't have starbucks <laughs> so we just have like a normal it will be like 100 200 bucks uh, is that rupees or what's the yeah ru- rupees yeah oh oh so it's yeah. also it's it, it, yeah. you call it bucks I, yeah i call it okay we, we call it bucks because it's in uh <laughs> okay so let, let's let's say uh, the reason why i think about that is so if that means a working rate wage uh, uh, let, let me break down what i think in america and see if we could yes. convert it to rupees so a, a, a minimum wage job here is $8 an hour, $9 an hour. I actually don't know the minimum wage uh, per, uh, currently in America. So but the minimum wage in America is like um, 17 uh, USD, right? Uh, I, um, per not, hour? I think in, um, I don't oh. know if that's Seattle. I think, I, I'm gosh, I'm terrible at this. I think there's two states that might have implemented that. But uh, still 48 of the other states haven't implemented that minimum wage. So I think it's still at eight or nine dollars i might be i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure i, I think it's only two states that have incorporated that um so let's go with the 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 48 states um if it's nine dollars an hour let's let's go with nine dollars an hour starbucks you're going to look at about six dollars for one starbucks so if one person works an hour they could afford a little bit more than one starbucks where in rupees what's the hourly wa- what's the hourly wage the minimum hourly wage in, in uh, India, in, uh, sorry, sorry, Sri Lanka. So it's like, um, it's like this. Uh, I think it's like around 300 uh, uh, rupees. Oh, uh, so you could almost, you could maybe buy over two. You could almost buy one, one star. You, or you could buy almost three Starbucks drinks, maybe a little bit more yeah. than two. Yes. Um, what's the cost of rent? So let's in America, it, it varies really because yeah. if you're living in california it's going to be crazy expensive if you live in in las vegas it should be cheaper where yeah. I live. and so, it, and this is like a difference between the local products and international products international products are like more expensive than the local products uh, yeah yeah um i want to well okay so let's say rent let's go in the middle between california and nevada uh i think a one bedroom one bedroom apartment about seven, uh, California in the between California and Las Vegas, maybe let's go $1,300 yes. a month, 1300. So that, so let's, so $8 divide in that, uh, it would take how many hours, uh, uh, 130 hours. I, I don't know if I'm, if I did my math correctly. Okay. So in Sri Lanka, how many how many hours would they have to work to pay typical one bedroom apartment rent? 
the thing is that we have all ranges because I like kind of um, have a friend who like works in the tourism industry. So I kind of promoted like his range of apartments because we have like um, different companies of different various uh, uh, prices to suit the needs or wants of uh, many travelers, of uh, people who have different budgets. And um, we have an apartment for one USD. There's yeah, you can spend one day in one apartment for one USD. You have a simple room, you have like, I don't think you have a kitchen, but you have like a simple room. And then it goes, it, the prices can range up to 500 USD. Yeah. Oh, 500. So 500. But it's going to be, it's way cheaper than, um, it's way uh, cheaper doing a wedding in Sri Lanka or maybe uh, go, um, yeah, have a vacation in Sri Lanka than having a vacation abroad because like our currency is like, has no value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I guess uh, I'm probably going down a, a road that's tough to quantify. So my, my original chain of thought is, that the American dollar is so strong, it's unfair for me to work X amount of hours. And then for someone in Sri Lanka to have to work to buy, maybe they want to buy a t-shirt. For me, I could get it really, I, that t-shirt might cost $15, but $15 in Sri Lanka would be it Big, really expensive. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because it's so, like 15 into like uh, 200. Yeah. And the macroeconomics or the history of it, I understand that statement that I'm making. There's so much tied behind it. Uh, someone might argue, well, the reason why the American dollar is so strong is because the industrial revolution in the in the 20s and 30s caused or that was started by America making the global economy move faster because America made these products, made the supply chain, made made it all happen and made technology move forward. So America should, quote unquote, those people are saying America should benefit from that. I I could see their point to some degree, but I don't, I don't morally agree with the point in, in depths, uh, meaning it's unfair for me. I feel like, I, I mean, there's not, I, I don't know if there's much I could do to change, change it, but at least I could talk about it and say that I, I still will go buy the shirt for $15. I can't, I, I can't change the globe, the, the yeah. economy, but I do feel some type of immorality and inequality when I get to buy the shirt for $15, but then someone in another country broke their back, not, not figured, uh, I'm saying figuratively, the amount of sweat that they put to make that shirt and they're barely getting by with enough food. And yet I get that shirt for so cheap. Yeah, so it's, it's like uh, people who like um, uh, work with cinnamon have to, they're old ladies. Uh, they have to like scrape the cinnamon off for eight hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many, uh, out of curiosity, how many questions do you have? So I know if I should quicken up my answers, yeah, I might be okay. going. Yeah, okay, so, um, at or do you... two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, I need to quicken up. Okay. Yeah, so okay. Can, yeah. Okay. okay, I'll try to make my answers quick. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, um, my question was, uh, cryptocurrencies can cause inflation, right? Cryptocurrencies can cause inflation? Um <laughs> As in, I wouldn't say they're the mechanism 
it's humans really when they print money on if in my opinion i think when a government prints money that's what causes inflation yes but uh, you said like if uh, like if a separate a separate government has to be made out of the blockchains and a city to be made out of blockchains to actually have a cryptocurrency um invest on cryptocurrency right so that would be an incredibly like only for rich people maybe oh no i don't think so um uh i think cryptocurrency i think often people look at the price of bitcoin and they see yeah. uh right i think it was uh the last i checked $54,000 or bitcoin i might be wrong yeah, 43,000 uh, i think i was checking for the euros like oh, 1 okay. euro equals how many yeah And yeah, the, I was thinking, like, if this gets implemented, how is it actually going to be in, implemented into a particular uh, country or a city? Because um, um, I, because not all the cities are made out of like um, the whole blockchain system. Yeah. Um, I I could see a one possible route is just uh, let me back up a bit. Uh, let me back up to the Bitcoin thing. So you could own. uh a 0.00001 of a bitcoin you don't have to own one full bitcoin so you could buy you could buy $5 worth of bitcoin you could buy $100 worth of bitcoin um okay. so in yeah. yeah so with uh with a city i i probably would suggest that a government if a government were to do a blockchain city uh just take uh say i have $5 in my bank account you have $50 in my yeah. in your bank account As soon as the government agrees on this blockchain says all right we're going to do it and at that moment you have $50 in your bank account and I have 5 so I I will have 5 in that blockchain you will have 50 and they wipe out the they kind of erase the bank accounts as all on the blockchain so that's how I would suggest it Okay so that would be okay like I I thought that like you have to this is only for rich people because I saw the conversion it's like how, how do they pay by it Yeah 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 Um, yeah it's un- it's unfortunate that um I, I, the i think a lot of uh, i've had a lot of people think that they had to buy a full bitcoin and uh i don't know another way to i wish that would someone would market bitcoin better on that like yeah <laughs> because like um especially like i live close to uh like a city it's like a really a close place it's called monaco and they are doing some really crazy things um because they have like big yachts and uh, uh, they are full up full of rich people over there yeah. and that they're actually making an island in that city just for even richer people yeah so, oh, yeah crazy. i i thought that they would be implementing uh, cryptocurrency soon or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cryptocurrencies for for everyone. That, that that that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's cool. Um okay, so what are the risks and opportunities using cryptocurrencies? Uh right now we're uh, we're kind of like the wild wild west of, in cryptocurrency right now. I, cryptocurrency is so new that the developers, the community haven't had enough time to just build things and get enough backing by the government. That's a big thing. The US government or governments holding back cryptocurrency because they don't understand what it is. Um so unfortunately, cryptocurrency, the risks, there's there's a lot. If you don't handle your private key on your wallet, if you create an offline wallet and you lose that private key and you don't have a backup, then it's gone. It's there's no retrieving it. 
but that is in essence the cup half full um so it's like a is it like a password or something it's, it, it's a the private key would be like a potentially like a 32 character long letters and numbers password to your wallet um yeah so, so you forget that like you forget your email address password yeah 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 um there is a the beautiful side of that scary equation is the reason why blockchain is so secure is because of that anyone trying to hack your wallet uh almost good luck uh, i've actually done the math if you took a standard server uh standard powerful computer nowadays to hack one of those passwords it would take uh you take a number one with 70 zeros behind it so one zero 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 70 zeros that's how many years so it'd be to the end of the universe on a on for this computer powerful computer to hack your wallet so that's the beauty of cryptocurrency that's how secure it is it's it's improbable nearly pretty much impossible to hack these things so even like the smartest uh, hacker can't even hack it yeah correct <laughs> that's cool um because i always had a question on like the cyber security yeah that the cyber the security of it as long as as long as the com- your computer isn't ha- already hacked like if you have malware and some other hackers on your computer uh and you create your wallet then they may see your private key at that moment so but as long as your computer is not hacked you create a private key the chances of someone hacking it and actually the, the a beautiful i think statement is uh anyone that wanted to hack bitcoin they've had uh since 2009 so they had 13 years to hack bitcoin and nobody's actually hacked bitcoin yet now any hacks that you read on the news is exchanges or people that accidentally released their private key or they had their private key written on in their on a piece of paper and uh, the hacker or somebody got that piece of paper or or on an exchange like coinbase if you have your username your your email address and your password but your pass that password isn't that blockchain password if that makes sense so you you have an account on coinbase coinbase created a wallet for you but if someone has your password to your email then they got into coinbase that hacker got into coinbase so it's actually supposedly just ha- there's some big news within this last week about that um something like 6000 accounts got hacked in in coinbase but it's because the hackers got access to 6000 users and their email addresses and passwords from other websites that they either these people reuse the same password or for whatever reason this hacker got access to the username and password so so i would say the security is as for blockchain has been 13 years we haven't seen one single hack on bitcoin and you also mentioned about the opportunities as well in the previous question yeah yeah, yeah. and uh but what are the uh like functions of uh, cryptocurrencies be- uh, beside payment methods oh uh yeah earlier when i talked about insurance yeah. it could take over banks it, it would be everything 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 is anything that has i think everything anything that has inventory anything that has a product anything that we want truth of consensus on absolutely everything accounting um walmart inventory um fedex shipping fedex or any shipping company uh, where your inventory of your your mail packages um you could have that on the blockchain 
once you receive the package, you can scan it and then you know it's uh, at least the customer should have received it and the customer could check maybe there could, we could even do a, like even more security. There could, there could be like a encrypted code in the package and then the customer could tell that that package was specifically sent from, that gets high, that, that gets high tech. Um, they could know that that package wasn't like altered in route to some degree. So yeah, actually everything, I think everything could be touched with uh, yeah. blockchain. Yeah, so that would take like for cryptos to uh, actually be functional all over the world. It will take about more than a lifetime, right? <laughs> um, the way that it does feel like that at times, um, but we've seen how fast technology moves. Um, yes. It's crazy. I mean, when we think about in, you know, 2000, the two that about 2000 was when cell phones were starting starting to kind of go mainstream yeah. um so I, I think i remember buying my first first actual cell phone well was it 2002 somewhere around there i think it was around 2002 i 2003 i bought my first cell phone but now cell phones are so ubiquitous yeah. i don't know i mean you could go to tribes in I mean, like say in Vietnam, I know in the countryside, you got these people that are living out in the countryside where there's no, uh, there's not your typical hotel, 7-Eleven, any type of those conveniences, and yet they got a cell phone. It's, it's, it's just crazy. So I think blockchain can't, it's going to piggyback off of that. So it'll, it'll hopefully, I hope it'll come sooner than later. There's no no telling when, but yeah, but I felt like ever since the pandemic uh, occurred, like things have speed up a bit than it was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the rate at which uh, people actually thought of innovative stuff, like uh, it was first, I thought that everybody was lazy. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then after that, as soon as like uh, like a situation like the pandemic comes through. Everybody mm. gives the worst solutions. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, so this pandemic might speed up about five to 10 years. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I think you got a good point there. Yeah. So, um, so can crypt cryptocurrencies fail? I'm sorry, what was it? How do cryptocurrency fare? Yeah. Uh, can if, you rephrase? Like, if it fails, like oh, failed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, blockchain, you can't turn it off. You'd have to destroy every computer in the world. It would only be the human factor um, that if they didn't, if they didn't implement blockchain, it'd just be humans choosing not to 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 use it to some degree, but at, from a technolo technology side of it, I just don't see it not happening. That's real. I would say yeah. to me, the question isn't if, it's when, meaning you can't turn blockchain, you can't turn off cryptocurrencies, you can't turn off blockchain. So it's an amazing tool from a pro from software side. What I see of it, it's probably one of the best things that we've we've seen in half a generation or more. Um, this is the biggest thing since probably the internet and the internet was more of a, I want to say blockchain is like a protocol. Internet was 
it's also a tool too. So it's kind of hard to say the difference of it, but blockchain, I think will be bigger than the internet itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't think it, it will fail. Um, that might be me just optimist, too optimistic, but I, I don't see it failing because you can't turn it off. Exactly. Even the internet also, we didn't know how to like use it properly. It was like it existed when we didn't even know it existed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, if, if, uh, I, if someone told me in 2000 or 1995, there's going to be something called Uber Eats where Uber Eats is, you know, in 1995, you think about some de nearly decentralized company that has taxi drivers, but the drivers don't work for the company. And then those taxi drivers will go to your favorite food place, pick up food and bring it to your house. And you just pay them that, that back in 1995, like that would have blown my mind. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what blockchain will eventually do to us too. It's going to blow our mind. It is. It will. Um, can cryptocurrency be used for like illegal activities? Oh yeah. So that's definitely possible. There was a man, I don't, I don't remember the name of the person they did. This lady did a Ted talk. She was the, I think she was the, one of the top investigators to in America to crack down on cryptocurrency, uh, Ill, illegal, illicit, or illegal activities regarding cryptocurrency. She, she found that it was something, I, I forget the numbers too. It was some small amount. She said the amount of, the amount of activity is more legal or, but the amount of illegal activity is something like less than 2%. I, I don't remember the number. Don't quote me on that. But yeah. she said, anyone trying to uh, throw fear, fear in a uh, uh, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt into cryptocurrency, they're completely wrong. She was the head investigator uh, for, for that with cryptocurrency in America to crack down on it. And she's like, yeah, it, it, the numbers are way too low. It's actually not true. Since then, oddly, uh, whether this is, um, people could use this however, whatever perspective they could say it's um, for, that, for that statement of hers or against it. She left that company and she's now working for a block, uh, for a cryptocurrency company. She, she began... She went in where the government said, hey, be careful, cryptocurrency. We need to crack down. She started learning blockchain. She's like, holy shit, this is an, I'm sorry, I cussed. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to cuss on your uh, podcast. Um, you can. <laughs> okay. She said, uh, this is an amazing technology. Why? So she, she actually left, uh, I don't know if it's FBI or C CIA. Uh, I forget who she worked. I'm guessing it was FBI she worked for. And then she left and she's like, no, I want to work on blockchain and cryptocurrency. She, she left and she's working for a cryptocurrency company now. I think it's a cryptocurrency exchange that she works for. So yes, there is bad things uh, with uh, cryptocurrency, but it's far, if you get the actual data, it's far less than expected. And, uh, and the, the silly thing on that, those, that concept, the US dollar, it's so easy for someone to take you know, $200 and go buy illegal drugs. That is much, it's actually easier than cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency, you have to learn the technology. You have to know what a private key, an offline wallet maybe yeah. to, to, that's a lot of, a lot of thinking. And I mean, some people could say uh, criminals don't want that. Criminals don't look for things that are hard. Criminals are looking for easy money. Cryptocurrency ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you're uh, telling me because I have actually 
tried it and I, it was like a bit complicated like if you don't look at the if you don't look at all the steps like from the start to the end <laughs> yeah. yeah you are going to get so confused mm-hmm. especially the number of digits like the 000 I don't get that at all yeah okay so why would uh you uh use a security like an ex- exchange traded fund for people that um my get i i may not know enough about this topic but my guess is people that are used to the stock markets they're used to they may so a stock market may put there i guess at the uh, man you just get the security of that exchange so if if i'm someone that i didn't understand cryptocurrency at all and then i wanted a baby step into it mm-hmm. say i don't i didn't if i don't understand cryptocurrency i may not understand ethereum or bitcoin but i'm like you know what other people are making money i want to put something in it so then this this exchange says hey we have this ETF that piggybacks off of bitcoin and ethereum or, or piggybacks they they peg the value or whatever that ETF so then i could feel safer putting money into that exchange and then and then that exchange handles it with bitcoin and ethereum so i i would guess that's uh, that's why people would choose an ETF that's my guess um i think ETFs also allow um multiple cryptocurrencies i might be wrong on that so if someone wanted to create an ETF that was bitcoin ethereum and ripple i think uh you know i i don't know enough about that so i i may not i shouldn't speak about that okay how volatile is it like the cryptos oh it's super volatile um i mean i like to use kind of the dot net boom as the the analogy so in 2000 the dot net boom if you were i think was it pets.com i think pets.com was a service that would ship dog food to your house but their whole their whole thing they didn't think it out they didn't think that the shipping was going to be more expensive than the food itself but anyway so that the dot com boom if you put in money into google myspace yahoo pets.com you would have lost all your money at pets.com but you would have made a shitload of money on Google Yahoo um so that's the way i think of cryptocurrency there's probably plenty of cryptocurrencies that aren't going to make it but there's going to be a lot that probably do make it so if you spread out your bets and hopefully hopefully put in if you could afford $100 here $100 there $100 bitcoin $100 on ethereum $100 on ripple $100 on monero a bunch of different coins hopefully even if you don't win every single one but you're going to make a lot of money i hope i'm not a financial advisor i this is not financial advice this is for educational purposes yeah. only and from personal experience um yeah it, you make a lot of a lot of money so and how do taxes work in the us if they implemented like cryptos Uh, as in how are you asking how i wish it worked or how, yeah, how it currently you, works yeah how it worked how it worked if um cryptocurrency was in the us let's say established in the us in this kind of system and how would the taxes work 
in I would hope that it would it would just be just like sales tax. Now I would hope that government would figure out a way. Like, yeah, if I buy uh, whatever I buy, there's a seven, eight, or nine percent tax depending on what city you're in, and it'd be the same thing with cryptocurrency. I would buy something, there'd be the nine percent tax. Um, currently, they treat cryptocurrency as a uh, what's it called? Asset asset gains, property gains, property gains tax. I forget the actual the wording. Um, that's yeah. I don't know what my personal feelings on it. As in property gains tax, if you have it for less than a year, I think it's twenty percent tax for whatever profit you make. So if you put in a hundred, now it's worth five hundred. I think you have to pay twenty percent on four hundred because you made four hundred dollars once you cash it out. Um, I think it's uncool that the government taxes it and then doesn't give a lot of um, support. It feels like government wants to try to fight cryptocurrency at times and regulate it, and then yet they want to tax it. It's a bit odd. If you're going to tax it, then then don't fight it. If you're going to fight it, then don't tax it. I, I don't understand it. Uh, uh, and why do you think uh, cryptocurrencies were created in the first place? Uh, well, Satoshi Nakamoto, his white paper, he talks about um, like freedom of usage, freedom of money, that it shouldn't be centralized. Um, Satoshi, that's, that's an amazing story, really, uh, to create Bitcoin and then disappear for whether he, if he's still alive now, I, I actually hope he is. And I hope he never released his, his identity. I think it's the most beautiful story for cryptocurrency. Um, but as, as a fundamental, what, what cryptocurrency can do, as we, we kind of touched up on blockchain, that it, it can be for the world. It's a decentralized way to have money and do so much more than money too. So I, I think it's, it's just decentralization at the heart of it. So um, during this pandemic, I also want to say that Bitcoin has skyrocketed. People who bought like Bitcoin back then are now like millionaires. Mm -hmm. Why do you think, how and why did that happen? Um, I don't think, so I don't think there's actually as many millionaires and billionaires as people think. I, there is a lot. Yeah. There are definitely people that made billions, but the, there's not too many people that are willing to hold for six or seven years. That's, that's actually one thing so many people kind of miss on this. When they mention kind of your statement, yeah. they never talk about holding for seven, six, eight, nine years. For you to make billions, you have in this situation normally, You've had had either the brains to remember or the brains to forget to hold for seven years. If you bought like two hundred dollars, three thousand, five thousand, and you let it sit for usually three, four, or five bull runs. Bull runs as the market goes up and down. Um, since. Oh gosh, probably since 2016, I think there's only been two bull, is it two bull runs or three? So it takes, you need multiple bull runs and that takes time, seven plus years. 
So I, I think uh, when you say there's a lot of millionaires, billionaires, sure, there's some, but there's not many. And those people that had the vision to say, holy crap, this, this technology is new. This technology is growing. This technology is amazing. If it depends, I think a lot of people, they didn't, those, a lot of people don't understand cryptocurrency like that. They don't think mm-hmm. of cryptocurrency like that. This is a new fundamental change, like how the internet was. And I mean, to think kind of similar to if you bought Google back in nine, if, uh, well, Google didn't go public till uh, 2000. I don't remember 2005 or something. Yeah. So you bought Google in 2005. You had you would have had to hold for 10 plus years for you to become a millionaire, probably on Google. Um, and cryptocurrency is no different. It's it's very similar. You got to hold for about three, four, five bull runs, um, and or just years. You have to hold for seven years, eight years, nine years, somewhere around there. So I tell people, I feel like it's going to happen again. Cryptocurrency, this, we're still in the infancy of, uh, of cryptocurrency. I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. This is for educational purposes. But anyone listening, if you got some money, I, you should put some money in cryptocurrency because it's, it's the best investment ever. That's statistic. Yeah, do you think within the years it will continuously go up? I think, I think so. I think it will now. It's going to have its, its, its uh, crashes and dips and stuff, but this is a f- transformative technology. It's, it's like me saying to someone, hey, this is 90, if this is 1995, I tell you about Google. I tell you, hey, put some money in. Google looks like it's going somewhere. This is the same thing. I'm telling everyone this technology is something we have never seen yet. I mean, Bitcoin's been around since 2009, but since 2009, this technology is something people have never had yet. It's an amazing technology from a software perspective. When I look at this code and understand this encryption, RSA, RSA encryption, where it takes one with 70 zeros, how many years to hack one wallet, and you could build a, a consensus of truth around it. This is a technology that has never existed. So throw some money in and, and hold for seven, eight, 10, 10 years. Just put some money in there and hold it. And, and if it's not for you, maybe it could be for your children. If, and also if it's not for you, it could be you are supporting this global economic paradigm shift. And the last question. So how much do you think Ethereum would be worth in 2030? Wow. Um, That's a t- uh, that's a t- there's so many factors I'm trying to think of. Ethereum 2.0 hopefully will come out five to eight months. That's good. I believe that should have a really big run up for Ethereum. Uh, I hope Ethereum will reach twenty thousand dollars a coin. Right now, Ethereum is like three thousand five hundred, and that's so we're talking about three thousand five hundred up to two thousand within the next six months. I hope I hope six months. It might be a little bit longer. It might be a year. So let's say less than a year. I expect. I anticipate, I hope Ethereum will hit 20,000. So in 2030, um, now those, those, these bull runs and technology changes, the reason why Ethereum is going to jump up is because of Ethereum 2.0. Yeah. Um, th- there's a big change that they're doing with their, their code and their, their system. What other things will happen 
till in up till 2030. So within the next eight years, hopefully governments will find a way to adopt it of some sort. Um, if it, governments adopt Ethereum to some degree, even a little bit, if they started using it for, man, voting on the blockchain would be massive. If voting on the blockchain happened, oh, voting for president on the blockchain, voting for your, your state governor, for your city mayor, Gosh, Ethereum, if that happened, I'm, I don't know, 500,000 in Ethereum, 500,000 for one Ethereum. Right now it's 3,500 3, for one Ethereum. Um, do I think that could, do I realistically think that could happen? Yes and no. <laughs> yeah. Because we, we've seen how Bitcoin, if someone told you Bitcoin in 2009, if someone said, hey, uh, Bitcoin sub penny back then it wasn't even one Bitcoin wasn't even worth one penny. Yeah. So in, I didn't even realize that Bitcoin even was there in the first place. I was like young. I was like young. So I, I was in the science part. So I, I didn't know much about Bitcoin. And now like within like the two after like 10, like 10 years, Bitcoin came, became really famous. I think it, uh, became really famous in 2015 or so. Then people started knowing what is Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's a crazy roller coaster. Um, I think Bitcoin had its, I forget if it was a 2011 or 2012, it had its first kind of big bull run in, in terms of back then. It went from sub penny to, I, I forget if it was a dollar. So you're talking about like over 100x yeah. within three years. Um, so, th- being then, it would have been crazy, yeah. So yeah, like I think I knew like after that kind of increase, I kind of knew what Bitcoin was. Yeah, yeah. Like what a. I yeah. Otherwise, I would be living under a rock, not knowing what Bitcoin was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I my story behind that, I regret it. Um, I had a other developer, fellow developer, came to me, and I think the end of two thousand eight, somewhere around there. Yeah. He said, hey, there's this Bitcoin white paper. White paper is before it releases. He's like, hey, what do you got? What do you think about this? And I said, I was a junior programmer. I didn't understand RSA encryption. I should have. I should have, but I didn't. Um, I, I told him, no, nah, this sounds like a scam or something. There's no way so, some programmer could build something so secure. There's no way. It's not possible. It's, it's going to be a fad. It's going to fall apart. Man, I wish I would just put in like, you know, a dollar or $10 at that yeah. time, I wish. So um, out of curiosity, what question, what personal questions were, were those questions more just stuff that you thought of? Or do you have any questions on like, like which coins uh, you, you want to invest in? Or do you have other yeah, questions? Yes, I, 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 because I want to do that in the future, probably invest on like cryptocurrency. It's just like, I need a better understanding of it. Like I need someone to like teach me how to use it. And like, so I, because the amount of zeros, I remember when I was like first time going on Ethereum and like creating an account and creating a, like a wallet and a key, as you said, I was a bit confused. The first yeah. time I went there, I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would suggest, uh, I would actually suggest just buy and hold. Uh, a big, ter- a big uh, meme in the cryptocurrency thing is HODL, H-O-H-O-D-L. It was just some drunk guy one day talking about uh, 
Bitcoin and he wrote, he wrote on some fam- a famous post, he wrote hold the wrong way. He switched the H and or the D and the L. So hodl and hold are the same thing. So he says hodl. Um, that I, I believe in hodling, buy and hold, because we don't know we don't know where this technology is going. Yeah. Um, and I think buying now and waiting ten years, and then hopefully, whatever you put in a hundred dollars, hopefully it goes to maybe a hundred thousand dollars or even ten thousand dollars. That's that's fantastic that's to just it, yeah, yeah, just buy and hold. The reason why I say hold is because most people don't know how to use it yet. To, like you said, having a wallet yeah. is so, so confusing and it's tough. It's unfortunately right now, cryptocurrency is in the wild west. It's brand new. Um, I tried using it. Like I was like struggling a bit. I, I felt like I needed like a tutorial to tell me how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry so much about using it. Just buy and hold until, until you get comfortable with it, then go ahead and buy and use it. Cause you could buy certain things online. You could, there's certain websites that will accept cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, I would suggest buy on an exchange. Buy like I think maybe one that's available in France might be Binance. Binance, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I know, they're super reputable. They've been around for a, wh- a long while. Um, so just create an account, and then if you can buy whatever you go to forward. Buy, and I suggest people you gotta be careful with your finances. Just understand if you make X amount of dollars and you go throw away a certain amount of dollars, then use that uh, disposable income. If you could afford throwing away $50, go buy $50 worth. If you could afford losing $2,000, I highly suggest putting $2,000 into Ethereum or Bitcoin. I, I suggest more Ethereum over Bitcoin, but that's my personal preference. Um, if you could afford $10,000, if you could afford to lose $10,000, then put in $10,000. Um, this It feels like a once-in-a-lifetime chance. As in, when Google came around, I didn't have enough money to invest in Google. Um, I remember thinking back then, like, oh, this looks like a decent technology. But I was a bit younger then, and I didn't know how to invest. As I grew older, I was like, I actually told myself, I was like, I'm waiting for that once-in-a-lifetime moment. It's just a matter of time with how fast technology is moving. That's what I told myself. And I probably missed out on some of the other ones. Like, you probably could have made money on Uber if you put in money into that. Um, I think Facebook uh, IPO'd much later, so I could have made money on, on Facebook, but I didn't, I didn't think of investing like that. So um, when cryptocurrency came around, I was like, yeah, I think this is it. I need to throw away disposable. I need to throw away disposable money, but that's as an investment. I, and it's, it's done very well. So yeah, I suggest, yeah, yeah. create a Binance account. I don't know. I don't know the other one. Global, internationally, I'm not sure of the other uh, what other exchanges are are good, but um, you could probably, hopefully, if you know some uh, tech friends in in France, ask them what exchanges they use. What's a reputable one? Yeah, um, I was thinking about that in the future as well, so I can like near future. With with these uh, cryptocurrencies, because they they can go up so fast. Yeah. yeah. Some people. You get some people that say, oh, I already, some people that look at the graphs and like, well, it's gone up so much. I missed out on the boat. And so many, there's quite a few people that have told me that. And I'm, I'm like, no, buy now, buy now, buy now. Cause then the next bull run happens. And then they're like, oh, I missed out again. I'm like, yeah, I told you. And then another bull run, they missed out again. I've, I've had some friends that I've been telling since 2017, unfortunately, and they still haven't bought every single time it goes up. They're like, Oh, I should have bought. I'm like, well, buy now. And they still don't listen. It's unfortunate. So uh, the earlier you get in, unfortunately, that's yeah, one aspect like, of it. 
yeah, you have to put in some sort of risk if, if you want to get something. Yeah. And this is what yeah. life is like. Um, I feel like uh, that happens with a lot of academics yeah, because I'm like, I was surrounded by a whole bunch of academics. They don't like to take risk, especially if it's something out of the outside in the outside world, because we've been avoiding the outside world for so mm-hmm. long. And now that I come to the business sector, I completely understand that. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, I do understand that it, in order to get something, you need to put some type of risk, take some t- type of risk to get out there. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Liam. Uh, 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 Liam. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Roshni. Thank you so much. Uh, have your audience come watch your uh, podcast on my podcast. We, uh, we talked with you for three hours, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that was cool as well. And uh, I will link your podcast below and uh, your details and where anyone can find you. And um, it was a pleasure talking to you about cryptocurrency. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, let me know if you have any questions and we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode I had with Liam Le. Uh, anyways, I am your host, Rashti Hevawasam, and I am signing out. Make sure you check out our website, www.teoact.net. And I have also released a book called Unveiling the Truth Behind Catherine's Destiny. It's also available in Amazon and Barnes & Noble, so make sure you check that out as well. See you guys next time. On Teo Podcast, the Pandemic Press.